Ideas are everywhere. Welcome to Lessons Learned in Marketing, the Phoenix Group Podcast. I'm your host, David Bellarive. Joining me today, the one and only Freddie from Dutch Cycle. Well, welcome, Freddie, and uh, it's so great to have you here. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. So maybe um, for people who don't know you and uh, Dutch Cycle, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, Dutch? Well, uh, I'm Freddie Van der Linden. I'm the fourth generation of Freds to run Dutch Cycle. We are a 55-year-old business that started out of a garage many, many years ago and have slowly evolved into a retail and repair service center. Uh, you are, Dutch Cycle is uh, one of the best examples I have. You're probably wondering, why are you asking me to be on your marketing podcast? But I think when I think of Dutch Cycle, when I think of great customer experiences, I think of uh, Dutch Cycle. Like it's one of those places where I know I love to go in and I know people that I, in the cycle community, just love to go in. Tell me a little bit about what it is uh, like, is this deliberate or, or what is what it is you hope people feel when they come into uh, your doors? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think the, the first thing I want them to feel is passion and welcomeness. Um, we're, we're all cyclists at the shop to some capacity. So I think from a comfort standpoint, you're going into a place that understands your potential needs and that is more than just salespeople. We're not overall interested in how much we can sell you, rather how we can make your experience the best. And I guess the the biggest thing I've sort of determined about what is Dutch Cycle, and it goes back to my grandpa, it's the why is service. And I don't really think it would matter what we sold. If you use this model of service first, I think everything would sell well off of that. So, um, well, there's so much to, to take off of that. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. No, no, that's good. So first, um, the, you're all cyclists. Is, is, uh, how do you hire? How do you hire people? Well, actually, ironically, that's, that's been a problem I've had to grow with as our business has grown. And it's actually amazing. People just want to work there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a retired cyclists, or sorry, retired people who are cyclists come to me and want to burn some daylight. They're not quite ready to do nothing yet. So on one hand, we do tend to have a lot of people gravitate towards us to that just want to help us out. And I think the energy that we bring is contaminating to a point and they want to bring the same energy and passion. So we start there. And then with the younger riders, it's typically... I think from a standpoint of racers getting into biking or young guys getting into mountain biking and want to learn a bit more. So it's kind of seems to be we draw really young or we draw retired and we're sort of the glue in the middle that holds it all together. It's uh, it's a really unusual retail space in the sense that um, you don't get the sense that you're trying to sell stuff and uh, trust gets built up really quickly. I just a uh, ridiculous example. And you may or may not remember, I bought a, uh, a surface light for my bike and it was not cheap, but you said, Oh, and you went through all the different pros and cons of this thing. And I have just loved that light ever since. Excellent. But there's that trust that comes from, um, from you trying products out. Like how do you, 
manage to maintain that in, I imagine you're being inundated with p- potential products or different things that retail or that manufacturers want you to sell. How do you, w- w- what is your measurement or how do you measure those things? Well, I, it's usually from a personal uh, database of experience. So a lot of the products that we have in the store, I've spent some time with. So, or if I haven't, one of my staff members has. So the nice thing is, is we know when a product sucks. Um, aside from bad reviews online, which are kind of obvious these days, there's great products and there's terrible products. And sometimes we make some mistakes and, yeah. and you know, you think something's really good, but it doesn't stand the test of time. And eventually we phase those things out. So we're pretty stable with our brands we carry from year to year. So we can be very familiar with them inside and out. So um, brands, and what I, I'm not that familiar with retail, but I know brands uh, often, especially retail, are challenged like, okay, we got to hit these profit margins. And I don't get the feeling and that you're in it for that. Like, I'm, I mean, sure, you want to make money, but it's not like we're selling this because we got a high profit margin on it and we can move a whole bunch of them. But um, because it's quality. Do you feel that pressure sometimes about, uh, oh, this versus that? Or? Constantly. Um, and it's, it is a, a balance. You know, we, some of our major suppliers, which I won't name any particular names, do tend to lean on you to front end load more of their product to kind of bully their way into your store. And you can accept that and let them run over you or you have to push back sometimes. And, and that's what I've tended to do. We, we know what sells in our community. It doesn't matter how well a product does in Calgary or how well it does in Toronto. We know our consumers pretty well, being that we ride with all of them and we're involved with all of them. And that might be it, because then you you get a reputation hit right away if there's something you're selling that's not meeting their standards. It's a quick way I found to let somebody down. You know, <laughs> I I you know, there's been examples along the way where we've had opportunities to buy cheaper products for say in the repair division, uh, lower cost tubes, for example. And uh, an example of that being a non-saving situation is I have to put five tubes in your bike to find a good one Mm -hmm. because the previous four leaked because they weren't tested. So as times went on, we've learned definitely cheapest isn't the best. And that's a fidelity line that seems to keep creeping up for us, which you have to be aware of because we don't want to go past a point where we're going to alienate people either. Now, another challenge that you might feel in a similar way is on the sales side and the amount of time that you will spend with someone helping them out. I don't mean just in the store, although that is there is a sizable amount of time that you uh, all your staff spend spend with people. But even over that sales cycle, as you say, try this bike, try that bike, try this bike. Uh, what what is that? Uh, how do you how, how does you come by that? And and what is the um, I guess how do you measure that? Or well, my my reason for the the trying stuff before you buy it is it's a lot more difficult to get buyer's remorse. Um, I find some of my decisions personally in life I've made where I dove in head first. My wife likes to call me Freight Train Freddy. Um, (laughs) I've made some bad decisions because I I didn't have the opportunity to test what I was buying. So a lot of times I think the problem in cycling is there's so many gray areas of 
bicycles to choose from. I mean, it's not like the good old days where you bought a 10 speed and that was that. There's 25 different categories now, roughly. So the the problem gets to be you want to buy a bike, but you're overwhelmed by the choices. So our job is to sort of pare it down to three good choices and then see how you connect with the product because products are expressions of ourselves. And something that doesn't express ourselves well or doesn't connect to what we're using it for will stand out really quickly. So a lot of times, even with all those choices, as simple as going around the block on a test ride, eliminates a choice and then we can pare it down to a couple that maybe they want to explore a little further and is there is is there a cost to that there must be a cost to that for you there is um you know i guess i've 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 seen this from both sides of the fence i've had some people that you can tell just want to dive in head first they don't want the three choices so Maybe my my system can seem a little cumbersome or lethargic, but I think in the general scheme of it, it, it's really well, actually, for people to be able to get a chance to try something, something not quite what they were talking about, and maybe something beyond their budget, because you're already in. You know that you're looking to pick something up. Maybe you don't know that a few hundred dollars more is the right choice Mm -hmm. because your budget was drawn a line in the sand and you don't want to cross it. So we do that. And yeah, there's a little bit of a cost, but I think the return, I was just actually answering some reviews online this morning and it's just constantly five star reviews. I mean, we, we get the odd bad mark and in hundreds of reviews that's expected, Mm -hmm. but I think that satisfaction is is the contagious part of Dutch cycle. You have a great experience, you're quick to share it. And they say good news travels fast, bad news travels faster. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Thankfully we don't have a lot of bad news. Well, it's um it's um and I know it's authentic, but it's honest when you come in there like you'll get uh you know what David, that's not the bike for you. You're not that good kind of thing. <laughs> Which is fair. I might think I'm that good, but it's like you don't need that. It's not going to help you in in that sort of sense, which uh, you appreciate as as a purchaser. Where is that caring coming from? Is that the DNA of uh, the passed on from the beginning with Dutch? I think it really is. You know, I I remember back to my grandpa and I, I started at Dutch Cycle when I was eight years old as my grandpa's right hand man. And, you know, he, he had an interesting take on things. He would, he would always tell you the customer's number one, the customer's always right. But then you'd see him get mad at somebody. And, nah, that's <laughs> not true. Um, I guess the reality is, is we have a job to do. And I think it goes a lot easier with happy customers than it does fighting with people all day. So from my standpoint, it's just to offer a better experience than you've had anywhere else. And that becomes obvious really quick in our store. I think that, you know, we implemented something last year with repairs turning around in 24 hours. In most cases, the same day. I didn't get a lot of negative reviews on that one. People were, wow, you you texted me four hours later, my bike's finished. So you have to adapt the technology to the service. It's kind of marrying old school European traditional values with youth and technology and new ideas. And I guess I'm always learning or I'm always willing to learn. 
that's an interest. I hadn't heard that. So that's, um, did you need to, um, did that come from a, a need that you identified or was that just something that you wanted to, wanted to do because you thought that'd be great if you could get that? With the ta- the service side yeah, of the things. 24 hour turnaround. Yeah. So. I, I thought, you know, I, I looked at summer in Saskatchewan and you know, we joke, don't blink your eyes. It's over. Yeah. Um, and we had bikes that would sometimes be sitting there four or five days and they'd been finished. So our primary drive for doing that was the turnover of space. Each bike's a parking space. And if it's sitting there five days finished, it's wasting a parking space. And more importantly, the client wants to be riding. So just that little extra, we found our turnover got so much faster. Space became less of a premium in our repair area. And you're not having bikes so piled up against each other with the potential to get damaged. So when they're moving in and out in the same day or within 24 hours, I think the end result is happier, happier Freddie at Dutch Cycle <laughs> and happier customer riding his bike. One of the, um, I'm not from Regina and I married, my wife Blanche is uh, native of Regina. And um, one of my first experiences with Dutch was, uh, I don't know, you probably were involved in this, but she was a member of Sacred Heart Parish. And every year at their bazaar, Dutch would donate a bike to Sacred Heart Parish, which that's enormous for, um, for a donation. And I imagine they're not the only ones that received this. How is the community and what is that? What does that mean for you and what's your, what's your, I guess, take on how you, how you treat that sort of thing? Well, I take community very seriously. Um, I think it's something that my grandpa definitely started with. Um, don't know so much in the middle that my dad and uncle were on that as much. I mean, we always supported the MS tour for years. We've been mm-hmm. working with the Regina Police Service for years. But recently, we've taken on the mental health ride, uh, palliative care with Tour de Lumsden. So rather than worrying about racing or, or events with the local clubs, I'm more interested in the awareness of cycling, for one. And I think helping out larger events like that increases your exposure dramatically. The, the hardest part is picking and choosing which are the right ones. Oh, yeah. And we've had, we've had some individual stories that I think were phenomenal. Um, we helped a, a guy last year who had his bike stolen oh, in Regina yeah. get yeah. a bike. Right. And, you know, those are situations where my customers challenged me and said, hey, Dutch should step in and do something. So we did. And, you know, from the advertising side of it, the dirty secret is, I mean, that you can't buy PR like that. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, is there's a tipping point with being nice all the time and being fake. So I think with us, our biggest thing is, is understanding what we can do within our limits. And it seems to be getting to be more each year that we're doing, but that's good as my business grows. I remember how we got there. It wasn't on just hard work. It took customers and it took community. And I I love Regina in that respect. We have a very uh, caring core community. It's great. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, that marketing side. What, what is, um, what is your philosophy? Like, what would you do for marketing? What do you look at for the year? Well, that I've had to learn this all from school of hard knocks. I've got no (laughs) education with regards to marketing. So I knew, um, when I took over the business four years ago, looking at our books, we had kind of flatlined our growth. 
And my understanding very simply was, well, there's inflation. So I think you need to grow year to year, not work harder and Mm -hmm. make less. So I think it started with some radio years back and a persistent friend bugging me to try and on location. So we did, and and I believe this was for our 50th anniversary, and it was our largest single day in the history of operation. We made burgers, we handed out pop, that was all free for anybody, it didn't matter if they were shopping. But I think what I took away from that day was we needed to get our name out there a little more. Um, Of course, you have Facebook and Instagram and, and the usual suspects. Social media to a point for me, I found is more, it's my community thumbprint. Mm -hmm. I like sharing the good things we do. Haven't found that that means is great for selling per se. So the marketing aspect has been tricky, but I, I see sales have been growing now for the last five years. We're moving in the right direction. And over 10 years, we've almost doubled our sales. Wow. So doing something like um, an event like that or a mass media like that, ha- you see an effect from that. You do. And, and what I've really learned looking at, at my social media, for example, is well, a perfect example was the gentleman who had his bike stolen last year. I generally reach out to one to 2,000 people on a post through the insights I get. When we do something caring within the community, that generally goes viral and and the bike that the gentleman got stolen in ontario reached over forty thousand people the bike i gave to the young lady last year in september who actually got hit by a car she was just a little six-year-old girl and she woke up from an accident her first thing was "Was my bike okay well Mm -hmm. it wasn't it was run over but same thing these things when you're doing good really seem to spread fast so I guess my takeaway is, is I've, I've found that my social medias are more, it's sharing the good things we do in the community. There's some product laced in there because that's part of the game, but it's more, in my opinion, about who we are and what we're doing. And, and that's, I think what some people forget when they're in social media. And it's a big core, I guess, comes back to the DNA of what Dutch is or who Dutch is. Do you, do you see, uh, a sales result or is there any correlation there at all to social media i we've had well even to the caring like sort of giving a bike away and then is there you know i think like yeah you you see on some of those posts like people i'll buy my next bike from these guys you know i i think and that's great and and you know i think that's that's awesome for people that perceive that as that great of a thing I guess the thing that I know in looking at Regina is the city's grown so much. We've had so many new people added. And over the last period of time, so many people have departed or passed away. So I think that's where I realized it was important to not just rest my laurels on the fact that we're Dutch Cycle, people will find us. The the fact I'm learning is that well, there are only two bike shops in our city, and I've had a lot of people say, like, you guys have a monopoly. It's, it's unfair. On one hand, it, it's actually not a monopoly because we're a luxury-driven purchase. So that competes with televisions. That competes with stereos. That competes with anything that's fun in your life. Yeah. So I just want to try and be at the front of those thoughts mm-hmm. when you're considering a purchase. And I think when you weigh the holistics of a purchase and you have a business that 
is good and solid versus this want is from a business that, well, I don't really care for those guys. You're going to win because you're the nice guy. Yeah. 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 And, and to that point that people, you know, the, the, the customer base is turning over, there's new people entering all the time. You do have to prove your brand again and again, like we're that place. They don't know where you've come from. And, yeah. and a lot of, uh, a lot of the different cultures that are well, people that are transferring into Regina, a lot of times there's some barriers in terms of, you know, how service works and, and we have people trying to dicker with us on pricing and stuff like that. I think that's just normal. Although I always ask, do you do this when you go to Safeway, <laughs> you know, and you're checking out at the till, I'm only going to pay four bucks for this cauliflower today. Forget your five ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's a, it's something that's followed the bike industry in general. Like, is that a normal thing in bikes? Or it is. That, is it because they're getting so pricey like cars now? <laughs> it, well, it's almost at that point. And, and the other thing is, is bike shops have really had to improve their, their, their marketing within their store. You know, you remember Dutch Cycle probably from your first visits, trudging into a dirty, dark, small place, crowded. You were looking for something, you couldn't find it. You needed a guide to put it in your hands and then yeah. get you to the till. We've really upped our our retail experience as well. So there's still that heartbeat on the service side of my uncle Lawrence and myself running that. And then you've got an awesome showroom that is now self-serve. I mean, I still, I still feel weird when I'm standing up the cash register. I've just finished helping somebody ring out repair job or whatever. And there's somebody standing there with a product in their hands, be it gloves, be it handlebar tape, whatever it is. And they just want to pay. And you ask them, <laughs> so did you get a hand fine? No, I grabbed it off the wall. To me, that's foreign. And uh, maybe that's part of why Dutch always does well is we, we, we're striving to reach each and every one of you when you yeah. come in. We, we hate to hear somebody walked out and didn't even get a hello. That should never happen in my world. I don't think it's ever happened there. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> so is that, um, is reaching out a big part of even how you staff and who you, and, and I guess, um, or are the staff just the people who come in there, they're just, they just know this is the way you do things at Dutch or do you train or ask them to, they, I think they know to a point, but they do need to be trained. I mean, you know, as this might sound really sleazy to say, but my, my biggest thing I, I tell my new salespeople is you have three minutes to make that person your friend. Mm -hmm. So rather than worrying about dollars, rather than worrying about anything else, then, okay, what are you doing here? What do you need? How can we get you in the right location? Mm -hmm. And from there, like you say, that trust is established and it's easy to purchase in that environment. I think, you know, when you walk into a place and, you know, I, I liken it a lot to a, a Mexican market, you touch something, the guy's on you, hey, should we go ring that out? Yeah. There's no care in the product. Nor is there knowledge. I, I mean, I, everybody who knows me knows I'm an Apple nut. And when new product comes out, I usually like to go look at it before I buy it. And you find more often than not at our age that you know more than the person you're talking yeah. to. <laughs> and that, that to me is a huge disconnect because 
how are you going to service me in the future if I'm teaching you about your product you're selling now? Yeah. You know, I, I don't think there'd be a lot of back-end knowledge. So I think that the staff understands that they have to connect with the person. And it's harder with young workers than it is with older workers. Because the young people, I don't know, are as outgoing right away but we we bring it out of them eventually (laughs) (laughs) is it a requirement that you're a bike rider to be an employee there not totally no some of my youth don't actually ride of course you know something around 16 that's a car (laughs) that's all you're thinking about at that age but no the the thing is is it's got to be integrity and honesty uh I have a lot of stupid sayings. One of them that I've, I've told the kids, and I hope I can say this, not get in trouble, is dazzle me with knowledge, don't baffle me with BS. Yeah. And that, that actually makes them go learn more. Um, one neat thing about a lot of our suppliers now is they have online retail courses. Not so much as, you know, how to sell products, but to learn about the product. So I make sure as a side thing that our staff has to take these courses and be somewhat fluid in what they're talking about. And if they don't know, if they get in over their head with a person, because there's some very well-educated, smart buyers out there that will know more than some of the younger staff, ask us, get a senior. It's sort of to always have a fallback to know that you're not going to see them just shoveling in a hole deeper and deeper. They'll get the right help if they can't do it. Yeah, for sure. And it comes back, I mean, for me, an experience like uh, buying a simple thing like that light. And uh, I, I should tell you, by the way, I've never had a light like that because every time I, almost every time I ride it and I meet another rider, they're like, where'd you get that light? <laughs> awesome. Well, and that's, uh, that's been a lot of our, how word gets around word yeah. of mouth and, and happy customers are happy to share that, you know, it, it's sort of, well, if you're, if you're dissatisfied, yeah, you don't want to know. I, yeah, it's yeah, awful. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, two questions just to wrap up. One is, um, what, what lessons have you learned now that you're, I guess, in charge? And uh, what, what are your takeaways or what's the biggest lesson you've learned? Well, honestly, Dave, and, and you can really appreciate this from my youth, it's patience and to listen. Um, you know, you tend to think you're doing everything right and that nobody knows things better than you do with respect to your business. But the reality is, is I think that's always, that's always moving. And so I've definitely, and and for 2018, made a resolution to talk less and listen more. And (laughs) how's that going? (laughs) So far, not so great today. No, I'm kidding. Um, No, it's going better. The thing is, is you have to, you have to understand a problem before you can solve a problem. And my, historically, I've tended to run over problems and get them out of my way quickly. Whereas there's a lot of value in, in holding emotions out and, and letting a clear head make a decision. So one thing I know that my wife's definitely taught me with emailing is close your computer and wait till tomorrow and see if you feel the same. Yeah. So listening and patience has been a, a huge thing. And I think that's just age and, and experience I, I think we all have that in us. Yeah, time. for sure. Yeah, no, it, it uh, yeah, it, it develops <laughs> <laughs> naturally somewhat. Yeah. And then um, what's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received. That's a great question. 
I guess it would it would probably have to have been from my dad and I guess him being the previous owner of the shop I can say with definite sincerity that running a business is a huge difference from working in a business and the best thing my dad taught me was to trust your gut you know that there's that little spider sense inside of you when you believe something go for it you might be wrong you might make a mistake that's being human and it's okay to fall on your face it's stupid to do the same thing twice so i think the biggest thing has been trusting that gut feeling that this is the right move i'm going to commit i definitely didn't have that years before is that something that you feel like, um, like I, I can completely relate to that and that you feel like um, you maybe have second guessed yourself and gone with maybe what someone else has said or something else and then you're like, oh, I was right, I should have done Absolutely, it. and white noise. I've, I've learned to not worry about what's going on outside of my business in the sense of my competition and what they're selling and what they're doing, what event they're at. I'm more worried about what's inside my four walls and I think that's where a business, when you start nurturing from inside, the growth is, that just comes with good business. So yeah, I would definitely have to say that I've had some, some situations where, you know, where a decision was made and that wasn't my decision and it was a terrible decision and I knew it. Yeah. So I think that over the years, I never realized how much I was being groomed for this last phase of my life. And it's very natural to just step into ownership and run it. It's the books and the numbers that freak me out. <laughs> <laughs> Your other comment there comes back. It reminds me of that, sorry, Oprah Winfrey advice to stay in your lane. Like do not look next door and see no. what the other people are doing. It's, it's actually so true. And, and you know, my grandpa had that mentality too. And, and I think my grandpa's commitment to work was, I've never seen somebody that worked like that in my life. But you know, it's a thing where, like I say, sometimes tough decisions take courage and it might not seem like a tough decision to not join with this group or to not participate in this, but that, that's the courage of running a business. And, and we're all gonna doubt decisions we make, I think. We just have to be confident that it came from the right place. Well, for anyone who's uh, wanting a lesson in customer service or what uh, what a what a great customer experience is, I I advise them to just come walk into your your shop. Well, I really appreciate that, and I I've heard that from SaskTel and FCC that they've actually told their employees to go to Dutch Cycle oh. <laughs> and see what they do and emulate. Yeah. So it's it's pretty flattering when you hear that from some managers that you kind of get some inside information from yeah oh yeah well there's two places in regina the um italian star and dutch cycle if you want that customer focus so anyhow thank you so much freddie for uh, joining us today it's my pleasure and uh, i'm glad to finally get in here and have a nice chat with you <laughs> <laughs>